The Triathlon Hour is brought to you by Pillar Performance. If you train and realize how important sleep is to you being your best, then head to Pillar Performance's website and get yourself some triple magnesium. Use the discount code HTT20 for 20% off. And then once it gets to you, start taking your triple magnesium 45 minutes before bed every night and watch how much better you sleep and therefore how much better you feel every single morning. And if you're in America, it's available to you exclusively through thefeed.com. The 20% discount code of HTT20 still works there too. Christian, we can't do a leading series to the PTO US Open without talking to you about the race. You've won an Olympic gold, an Ironman World Championship and a 70.3 World Championship, but you've done two out of the three PTO Opens that have happened and you've come second both times. Great results for most people, but for you, it seems like something you'd probably want to change. So what do you think is the key for you winning the US Open? Um, yeah, you're right. Like, yeah, I feel uh it's a race i really want to win and also with like all the hype and all the athletes coming together for the race it's definitely uh, a race i want to win but yeah i just think i need to be in better shape than what i was in edmonton and in ibiza and i guess everyone is a little bit sharper coming around middle of the season and early on but hopefully i've been able to sort of come back uh, and also feel like the shape is coming in the right direction uh, as well a little bit rusty beginning of the season and now it's coming along I would say so uh, having two more good weeks of trading and then hopefully I will be on track for hopefully a win in the Milwaukee so where do you feel like you've improved or um, like increased your your conditioning since the European Open to where you sit now so Going into Ibiza, I feel the swim wasn't good, and that's why I'm quite poorly in whole May, both short course and long course. And also the run was like missing some intensity, I would say. If you just look at short course racing as an example, I felt I was struggling more with the pace in Yokohama on the 10K more than what I did in Hamburg last week over 1,600 meters. So uh, I feel now this stride is coming along, and that's going to be helping and also more time on the TT bike. But I must say that I felt power-wise in Ibiza, I was, felt quite strong. So I think mainly swim and run will be stronger. That's my main question for you about this race is where you think you're going to end up in the swim. Do you think that even though you're swimming a little bit better now and feeling better in the water, that it's still unlikely you finish with that front group? Or do you think that you're capable of finishing in that front group? I think I should be capable. If I don't, I, I still think that we can sort of use the bike leg to catch on because Magnus hopefully will be behind me and I can end right up with him. But uh, my main goal is to do the work now in the water to be able to uh, be in with the front. And I feel also the swim, especially like going into Hamburg, was getting better than compared to how it was earlier in the season. So... I hope to be yeah, around the first 10 guys or so. At least if it's 10 guys, if it's like four or five guys, 
it's going to be harder. Aaron Royal said that him and Martin Van Riel have talked to each other and have said, we're going to hammer the swim to get rid of guys like Christian, Jason, Magnus, Fred Funk. Do you think that there's a chance those guys really hammer the swim and, and completely blow it up and it makes it like a much harder dynamic for you personally? Or do you think that because of the short course racing, you're going to be able to handle that really first, you know, hard 400 metres to the first boy and settle in and, and find yourself in that front group? Uh, I think it depends on who else is there or thereabouts. Like if it's three guys, four guys going off front and there's no one in the middle there, it's harder for me because then I wouldn't have to bridge up the gap that they're probably creating in the first 200 meters. But if it's uh, some guys in between there, like in Abyssa was maybe eight guys, then it's a longer train behind that I can sort of be a little bit further behind the first boy, but then uh, use the last, a 1500 to sort of ease into rhythm. So it depends on how many swimmers will be there thereabouts. But uh, hopefully, <laughs> I do want to come out of the water with the front. Because at the European Open, you and, and Magnus and Fred and Jason, you all finished about a minute back from that, that front group that we talk about. And then we all know what Magnus did on the bike and, and how you and him bridged that gap of what ended up being sort of 90 seconds, you know, about 10 canes of the bike, it had gone back to 90 seconds. And then by 25, 35 canes of the bike, you were, you were rid that front group. Do you think that your bike shape was better then than what it is now because you've been focusing on the really swim, run, dominated short course? And back then you were obviously coming off a big year of, of doing huge TT volume and, and racing as well as you did at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships and Ironman World Championships. Do you think that if you find yourself in a situation where the, the lead swim groups got away and you're just a little bit in front of Magnus and he comes past you, do you think there's a situation where, where that ends up being a lot harder than what it was at the, the European Open because your bike shape isn't quite what it was then? No, I was the opposite. Like I feel my 60-minute power now is significantly higher than what it was going into Ibiza uh, and also uh, I will spend more time on the TT bike now going into the race compared to what I did going into the European Open because uh, the, basically the whole winter I was spending time on the road bike. But now since Hamburg, I've been jumping back onto the TT bike. So uh, amount of time, I'll be more specific trained to ride in the air position. And also I think the course in Milwaukee is less ideal for uh, Magnus simply because of there's seven laps of about 12k and it's three dead turns on each lap. So it's, um, you have quite a lot of uh, opportunities to go out of the opposition and sort of, uh, accelerate again. And I think he's where he's maybe the strongest is like slightly downhill where he can just hammer the power and, uh, yeah, be riding big gears. And we saw you have the second fastest run at the European open, but like you sort of hinted at before, it did seem like probably the worst run you've done over that distance in a little bit. I, I think your run at, at Canada was probably a little bit better. Your run at the 70.3 World Championships was a, a little bit better. Are you in better run shape now because of the the work you've been doing um, going into short course racing? And if you are, why is that? I think, yeah, I think I'm in better run shape now. And the, the main reason is maybe that I've put in enough track sessions so I have a bit of overspeed. Uh, like in Ibiza, I felt like 310 was sort of the ceiling almost and I had to really work hard to get down to three-minute pace where 
Jason was running. Uh, so I feel now with the intensity I've done uh, for the Olympic distance that I can sort of just use that and also pace a little bit more careful over the 18K. So I have like an extra gear uh, speed-wise. Uh, so I think that's going to help me. But yeah, I definitely think that last year I was running better than what I did in Ibiza. Maybe the 73 worlds also not super good. Like I think we were coming off the bike with a lot of fatigue uh, in the legs, but I definitely Edmonton was better than what I did in Ibiza. At the European Open, there was that really key moment in the bike, Christian, where you and Magnus bridged back up the 90 seconds to the front group. Everyone else got dropped, like Frederick Funk and Jason West. And then you were settling in with the group and both of you just you just tucked in and, and didn't go to the front and, and start to or continue to do do work. And then there was sort of like some funny dynamics where Jan was dropping the wheel a little bit and and then there was little gaps forming. And then there, there was a situation where Tom Bishop and yourself and Jan, like the wheel just dropped and then Magnus pushed across and then the gap got big and it, it let that group of Kyle Smith, Alistair Brownlee, um, Magnus get get off the front and Max Newman get off the the front and and end up putting a minute into yourself and Yarn. Do you think that dynamics like that on the bike might change how you ride and might we find you being a little bit more aggressive and spending more time at the front of the bike to make sure you don't miss a split like that? Um, maybe not in the front, uh, but I definitely have to be more aware of if people are jumping across that I then have to be. On the gas, uh, I think second half of the bike leg in Ibiza, I thought that it's not going to split up. Like uh, if people are breaking away, then there's always someone that will take responsibility to bridge it back up again. So I was more uh, too defensive, I would say. But yeah, definitely, I have to be more aware if something happened. But it's also tricky because when we came across, it was maybe eight guys in the line. So then to see if there is a gap, big enough gap, and like if you're then starting to move past people, you potentially have to pass eight guys. So uh, it's about getting used to race with the 20 meter uh, drafting in a pack with the best of the best. And that's maybe uh, the tricky part. And who do you look at in this field with, with defending champ Max Newman not there? And even though on that day you probably would have beaten Max if, if it wasn't for that weird little race dynamic that we just spoke about the, at the later sections of the ride where he got the he got across to the lead group and, and you accidentally got stuck behind it. Without Max being there though, who do you look at as the favourite in the race or who do you look at outside of you who you might have to worry about or, or make sure they don't get like a gap on you on the bike or, you know, um, gap you into T2 or, or things like that? Uh, Martin Van Rails for sure. Uh, he hasn't raced much uh, middle distance, but he did like Dubai last year, and uh, he really nailed that race. And he hasn't raced too much long distance since, uh, but he's definitely he's like complete. He has the swim super strong on the bike. Normally you see him in short course uh, being the main force in the breakaway, and uh, he doesn't have that sort of last kick usually, maybe for to match Hayden and Alex on the run, but he can definitely have it over 18K. So uh, he can be a dangerous guy. So hopefully I can be there again on the swim and keep uh, control over him on the bike and then uh, make sure that I have the engine that's requ required the last five or 8K on the run. 
Do you think that if if Martin is to beat you, he needs to have a gap onto you in T two? Like, do you think if you and him come into T two together, that that he's capable of beating you? Uh, not on the run. I think uh, he needs uh, a gap, and if if he's able to create like a thirty or sixty seconds gap, then he both have the advantage before the run. But then I might also have it under pressure on the bike and sort of using more energy than I would have liked to. So, but as long as I'm coming into T2 together, I feel confident that I should be able to take it. So like something we see in cycling all the time, like if, if, if people are watching the Tour de France at the moment, um, throughout the, the entire first and second week of the Tour, we see Jonas Vinegard, the, the favorite for the race, sort of sitting wherever wherever Tadej Pogacar is. So if Tadej's fourth wheel, Jonas is generally fifth wheel. And, and that goes on for two whole weeks. They sort of, the favorite marks the, the guy who he sees as his biggest competition. Will that be the same for you on the bike if if you either find yourself in that front group that Martin is, is in off the swim or if you have to bridge across with Magnus and Freddie Funk and you get to the front group that Martin Van Riel is in, do you think you'll go and find his wheel on the bike and, and be the bike that's directly behind him and just mark him until until the end of the bike? No, because uh, it's much more dynamic that can happen. Uh, and if you're only looking at one guy in a triathlon and suddenly two other guys breaking away or doing stuff you're not expected to. So if I'm there on the swim, then uh, I reckon it's easier to then go to the front and sort of control the pace and make sure that the, the pace is on from the gun on the bike instead of making it like on and off. So then it's better to just keep the gas on and make sure that the guys who is uh, hopefully then uh, further back on the swim have to really work to catch on. And then if Magnus is coming up, then hopefully he would have used a lot of energy before he's bridging up. Are you worried about Magnus at all in this race or do you not see a way that he can get a big enough gap into T2 on, on you that, that like he, he is a chance to win? Do you just think that you're running that, that much better than him that it, it might be a tough race for him to win? I guess we should never utter it, him. She's having a good progress uh, both swim bike and front. But I think Martin is the main guy to watch out for. What about Jason West? If if you came into T two with Jason West, if he managed to hold on to to that bike group of Magnus and Fred and 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 yourself at at the European Open instead of getting dropped, he would have he would have won the race. Now, obviously, that's a massive hypothetical because he was never going to hold that that group. But if he somehow managed to do that, yeah, that's a tricky one. Yeah, because then you don't know how much energy it costs to ride faster because we were together in the beginning of the bike. So I guess he will then be sort of forced to run slower if he will be the bike but uh, hopefully i've been able to get those 10 seconds quicker when it was in that beef upper so hopefully i can still match jason on the run basically though you wouldn't care who you came into t2 with would you you would just you would back yourself to outrun anyone in the world even jason west who who has been running well yeah i would say so so uh yeah i think coming off the bike uh, with the leaders then i should be able to have a good run as well and do you think um that this this race because i've asked everyone this do you think that anyone who's not close to that front swim pack you know your sam longs your lionel sanders trevor foley's 
do you think that this race just means that that those guys will never see the front of the race because of how hot the swim and the bike will be from the guys out front like that that entire front swim group and and yourself and and magnus yeah i guess the last guy will bridge up is sort of where magnus is coming out of the water so if he if he's coming up and catching the front group before uh sam long and lionel then the sort of the front is also increasing the pace when Magnus is coming up, and that's just going to make everything more tricky for the guys even further behind to catch on. And if they catch on like another minute or two, it's going to cost uh, coming off the bike. So uh, they also have to put that into their calculation, how hard they are willing to go on the bike and still run fast off the bike. And was Gustav ever a chance to do the US Open, Christian? Oh, he's... uh... Not in the fitness yet, so he's now having a few days off, or like riding down to Girona and doing a bit of different training. So I think he now is having some time to get that mental energy back again and sort of, yeah, come back on top of the training again. So he's not in a place where I think he would have been in the mix. It's not like he's poor in short course and would be brilliant just by jumping back into long course. He's is like in general struggling with the training and he just needs to get that uh, energy back. And once he gets the energy back, he can be in the mix. So talk to me about this from your perspective as, you know, um, one of, if not his best friend and, and his main training partner and a guy who has been with him for forever, the last decade of, of training and racing. What, what has been going on with him since we saw him put in some of the best performances we've ever seen in triathlon history last year at, at, at the PTO races and the Ironman World Championships versus this year where he's probably having the worst year he's had in the last five years, I would say. What's been going on behind the scenes for him to not be in the shape that he that he has been sort of probably the last three years? Well, I guess a lot of stress and like personal things. And I guess that's taking more energy than you're maybe realizing. So then it's hard to do the training when you're empty of energy and your body isn't responding in the same way. So it's just important to take the time and uh, not sort of pushing too hard when you are uh, laying down. So just making sure that the body is resting. And so now he's more focusing on the the races that will be in October and November and trying to do the sort of the Asian tour and in, in the World Cups and uh, collecting points for the Olympic qualification. So uh, he tried to get in shape for that. Has it changed your training much, Christian? Obviously, because you two have always trained together and pushed each other a lot in training and and sort of both of you have lifted each other and made each other better athletes. Has this year been a bit trickier with Gustav not really um, at his at his best fit, fitness or, or or at his best form? And have your has your training suffered as a result of not having your number one training partner and probably the the first or second best triathlete in the world with you being first or second as well? Has has it made your training a little bit harder or not as high quality as what it sort of was say last year? I was at a quality. I tried to do it as good as possible, uh, but of course matching isn't. The same across bike and run, but also have yeah, and Japanese athlete Kenji Niner up here with me. So uh, we're trying to sort of keep the, the quality in the training the same. And also Gustav, he's around, he's been up here in Fulmer for two or three weeks and he'll be here uh, until the test event. So uh, 
even though he's not in the fitness to match me in training, I still have other athletes that can uh, push me. Something I've heard multiple people tell me behind the scenes is that when they have seen you and Gustav training or they've spent like, you know, a session with you or a day with you, you guys have a lot of fun and, and it's, a li- it's, it's a lot more relaxed than what they expected. Uh, and you and Gustav are sort of just taking the piss out of each other and laughing the whole time. Despite the fact Gustav's had a bit of a tough, you know, um, 2023 and, and that, that emotional stress you're talking about he's been going through, has that led to the training fun dropping off and, and things being a little bit, um, you know, not, not quite as light and, and fun in your training group or is it the same as ever? I would say it's much the same. Like for him, it's more when the when the legs isn't responding on the training, it's maybe not as fun to go out for a long ride when the body isn't responding and it's more frustrating. Uh, but at the same time, I would say the mood in the group has been, like we're still very, very motivated for Paris Olympic Games next year. And uh, I feel that we are still able to keep the fun uh, in the sports. And so you're training at font at the moment up at altitude. Um, how, how's the last few weeks of training been going? Or, or maybe how's the training been going since Hamburg up there? And, and what kind of like key things are you trying to hit before you do get to the US Open? Yeah, so I would say the camp in Fontmer in general has been super good. Um, and the form has been going in the right direction. And also the races have been going in the right direction. Uh, so I just came back from Hamburg now and... Uh, we'll probably do one solid week here. And the main thing now is I'm switching from the road bike and back on the KDX bikes to uh, dial in the legs for the TT position because it's a little bit different saddle position than and the, the muscles that I'm using. Uh, and a little bit more volume-based. So since uh, May, I think we had more shorter stuff to get ready for a super sprint distance and also lift the uh, to max. But now we can go back to more base threshold work, which will sit well in for going into Milwaukee. And then after that, I can do more intensity again to prepare for both no test event. And then I will race Singapore based on the form I'm having in test events. And then the 70.3 is sort of coming straight after that. And then I will go even more intensive for the grand final in Pontevedra. So last time I, I had you on, Christian, I asked you to rank your Ironman World Championship, your Olympic gold, your Ironman 70.3 World Championship and your WTCS World Championships in order of most important to you to least important to you. And I'm going to do the same with you here, except I'm going to get you to rank from most important to least important the PTO US Open, the PTO Singapore Open, the Ironman 70.3 World Championships and the Paris Test Event. Paris comes last, I would say, simply because it's all about next year. So... Uh, what we do in Paris this year is more about getting the feeling of the of the course and the venue and what we can do for next year. So, uh, of course, I would like I would love to win it, but uh, if I don't, uh, it's not. Yeah, uh, I would rather win the PTO races and the seventy point three. I guess Singapore and Milwaukee is sort of even in terms of which one that's most important to me, and then seventy point three walls in the middle of test event and the PTO races. So if you could only win one, you would pick winning the PTO US Open over the Ironman 70.3 World Championships? Yeah, I would say so. Like, uh, I've never won a PTO Open, so that's something I 
really want to win. And also now the start list is looking pretty good in Milwaukee as well. Uh, so why only choose one, you know, I can do, hopefully do both. <laughs> That's a very Christian Blumenfeld <laughs> answer, I reckon. <laughs> so Martin Van Riel, you see as sort of the big threat to you, the the sort of the guy that you, you've got your eye on and you think is, is super complete, but some other people specifically I want to ask you about. So Alistair Brownlee, how do you think he's going to race? Uh, I was quite surprised by the way he raced in uh, Ibiza and the way he run the first 3K. And sort of based on that, I feel that he will probably struggle with pacing simply because, yeah, he wasn't able to pace it right there. Like he had basically a podium in his pockets and he lost it. What about Jan Frodeno? He is probably the same age as he were in Ibiza. Like, uh, strong overall and will pace as good as he can. But uh, I was quite impressed by his... He got fourth, he did. Yep. Uh, and I guess he will be something similar in Milwaukee. His main target is, is this, and, and that's all that's matter for him. So you don't expect Jan to have sort of got a lot better since the European Open? You expect him to be pretty similar relative to everyone else? Yeah, I would say so. And also the level has probably increased a little bit as people are getting more and more race fit. Yeah. And what about some other like lesser known names in that front group? Like what about Aaron Royal? He can be a podium sweeper. Like he, like he did in Edmonton, he can get a podium, but I don't see him running it in, taking the win. I think then he needs to be running faster and also be more aggressive on the bike. Someone I, th- I think sort of, to me, gets forgotten about by a lot of people. What about Ben Canute? A little bit the same as Aaron, I, I guess. I think if there is a swim-bike breakaway, you will have stronger runners, like maybe Martin, uh, who can then take it. Uh, but again, like he, he gave me a proper fight in St. George last year. So it seems like he's taking the long distance racing quite well with his third place in uh, Ross. And he's sort of uh, trusting the process in his training. So uh, you never know with him. Like he can, yeah, suddenly he's popping out a super good performance. When you were racing the 70.3 World Championships last year and, and you and Ben Canute were running side by side in first and second, did, was there ever a moment where he had you under pressure and you thought to yourself like, oh, fuck, he's going to beat me? And no, like first I was quite surprised that he caught up. Uh, but then after uh, I've been running maybe 2K on his feet and sort of uh, uh, getting used to his rhythm and his speed, then I felt that this is a sustainable pace for me. So I felt confident quite early. But again, you never know uh, if... Uh, when you're sort of putting on the gas and trying to break away if the gap will snap or not uh, but I felt that I was in control uh, for most of the run The world's best tri-suit company Win Republic have just released their brand new tri-suit collection called the Heritage Collection and I think it's either my favourite or second favourite collection that Win have ever made It's three designs One is American-inspired, one is Australian-inspired, and one is New Zealand-inspired. I I just personally think the suits look absolutely amazing. They're sleek, they're subtle, 
I just I love all three of the suits. The the American one's probably my favourite and closely followed by the Australian one. But because I'm an Australian, uh, I'm going to be racing in the Australian one for the rest of my triathlon um, season and and probably even like going into Roth next year. I really want to I really want to rock that suit over on an international stage. So yeah, I'm really excited to do that. They used Win's top of the line suit called the Lucaro Plus, which is their fastest, comfiest racing tri suit. If you want a tri suit. In my opinion, it needs to be comfy as a priority and it needs to be fast as a bonus, which are the two reasons I started using Win a few years ago in the first place because I just never had a comfy tri-suit and I don't think I'd ever had one that was that aerodynamic and I saw what Luke and, and Beth were doing at Win, and I, I, I bought one and I've never looked back. I, it's, it's all I wear now. The Lucao Plus, what I like about it is their top-of-the-line tri-suit is it's taken both of those things to the next level, comfort and speed. Win are doing a pre-sale of the whole Heritage Collection now that ends on July 28th. So you've got to get in and order one quickly. Um, you could jump on their website to do that. We have a 15% off discount code that you can use if you do want to purchase that or anything on Win Republic's site for that matter. That discount code is TTH15. And yeah, it gets you 15% off anything at winrepublic.com. Um, I highly recommend going and checking out the Heritage Collection. I love it. I'll be wearing it. And I hope to see you out in a race course wearing one too. Because of the way the course is laid out, where it's lots of laps on the bike, um, the the two lap swim course, do you think it sort of like it ultimately is going to lead to a big group coming into T two together, or do you think that there is a chance someone will get off the front and might come into T two solo, or you know a little group of three or four like at the European Open did, or like you said before, do you think the course being that that short twelve k seven lap loop makes that unlikely? Uh, I would say. It can go both ways. Uh, but I think the main thing is that uh, because there's so many laps and so many dead turns that uh, guys that has been focusing on short course like myself and Martin can um, easier go in to race on a TT bike because we're having those dead turns where we can go out of the aero position and also to stretch out and not just be in one position. So like if, if we race on Daytona as an example, then you have to be in one position and that's probably risking your quad muscle way more than uh, in a course like we will have in uh, Milwaukee. So when we're watching this race, Christian, do you think the most crucial point to your race for us to watch when we're, when we're sitting there watching you, do you think the, the most critical, critical point for you is the first 400 meters on the swim and if we see you in that front group that you're going to have a really good day or – what do you think the like the really crucial point we should watch out for with you is? I think it's two different. So, so the first one is, as you say, in the swim. If I'm able to get into the right group on the swims, uh, then I will be fine for the sort of the second K or last 1,500 meters. If I'm there at the first buoy, then I should be fine. And then you also have the worst case scenario if I'm back in the main pack and Magnus is going by and if I'm sort of st able to stay with him that's sort of the second critical point of the race and then of course the first 3k on the run if the pace is there or not if I'm on that pace where I will be able to bridge or not and just before I let you go Christian a couple of training related questions so is Olav Alexander Boo your coach there with you in Font-Rameau yep he's been here for quite a while and he'll be up here until test event uh so 
I think when I'm heading to Milwaukee, I think he will then be flying to Paris actually and have a look at the course once again and doing some measurements, uh, especially on the bike course and the cobbles there. And then we will go to Paris together and do some proper testing there together with uh, both uh, on and giant and trying to understand the bike and run course. And something that happened last year in triathlon was that you guys came into long course and you built so much hype around so many different things. One of those things was was lactate testing, um, and it just it just took over triathlon in twenty twenty two. It was it was actually crazy. But it, the talk about lactate testing has disappeared this year. It it literally doesn't exist anymore. Um, the the first time I heard it talked about this year was Lionel Sanders did a YouTube video like a week two weeks ago, and he basically said fuck lactate testing, it's bullshit. Um, and then actually Max Newman, when he won the European Open, said the same thing. <laughs> what, what's happened, do you think, just because you guys have gone out of the, the long course scene and, and stopped dominating that, that, that people have sort of just like that you guys were the ones keeping that, that trend alive and people have gone back to doing what they've always done? Like what's happened there? Just wait until October next year. Then you will see the hype around lactic testing again on the big island. And then also Lionel will be back measuring his lactate. Is that, is that you saying that you're going to wait, race the Ironman World Championships next year? Yep. Already qualified, you know? I know. Qualified five years. When when you're winning once, you qualified for five years. So Kona, straight after the Olympics. Imagine. And so then the rectator would will be back. The the Hawaiian locals, I've, I actually talked to Andrew Messick off air and he goes, yeah, like we're just telling everyone that um, the Ironman World Championships weren't sustainable because of the two days, but it really, it's the fucking Norwegians and the Hawaiian locals, all their their drains and water systems, they've been blocked from, you know, the lactate strips and environmentalists wanted us gone because of all the lactate strips blocking up the ocean. So the Hawaiian locals are not going to be happy to hear that. Yes, we need to find something more sustainable, maybe some paper strips or something with less plastic in it yeah do what mcdonald's did with their straws you've got to go to paper lactate strips for sure um do you think that's possible christian winning olympic gold and then and then going and winning the ironman world championships yeah like uh i felt it would be possible in 21 uh even though it could i had extra month on me i felt that was in an ironman shape in was it November when I did Cozumel. Yep. Uh, and Gust also did it a few weeks earlier. So around Kona time, I think it should be, yeah, should be enough time. And also now we have the experience from the island and we know the course and uh, uh, it should be a quicker turnaround even. So um, yeah, definitely. Before Kona last year, I did a sprint distance six weeks out. So if I do a Olympic distance three months out, I should, it should be, I think it should be fine. How are you going with, with Hayden Wild and, and Alex Yee? You obviously are yet to beat them this year, but you got the closest you've been in, in Hamburg. How, how are you looking at them going into the Olympic Games? Are you confident that you can um, do what you've got to do to, to beat them come next year? Uh, yes. Like, uh, even though the results hasn't been too great this year, uh, like when I got 15th in Kegliaria, I still felt that I was sort of within reach even though I was two minutes down, I felt that uh, I was I wasn't in my best run shape, uh, but I still was able to run like fifth or sixth best run splits off a hard bike where I was maybe doing most of the work in the second pack. 
So even though the results in the races hasn't been too great, I feel I've been within reach. And I think I showed uh, some signs of that in both Montreal and in Hamburg. And I think uh, for me, the favorable distance is Olympic distance if I want to be able to beat uh, Alex and Hayden. So that's also why I think Paris and Pontevedra will be uh, important. Basically, to just get like a, a feeling of how where I am compared to them. Does part of you wish you were doing the Ironman World Championships in Nice this year? Uh, no. Because then it would be taking too much time to combine the Olympic qualification and preparation in the course. And it's something I can look forward to in 25, I feel like. Uh, because I want to do it well prepared. Like I want to know the course. I want to make sure that I can use that bike course both up and downhill to my advantage and not having to do it halfway. So um, I feel by waiting until 25, I can sort of do both Kona super good and then do the whole winter preparing for uh, both the PTO season and also the Nice race again. And this is just a massive hypothetical and probably way too far in the future to even be asking, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you win or lose at the Paris Olympics, like whether you come first or whether you come dead last, do you think that from there on in, you're just going to go and dedicate yourself to the, to the long course world and try and win a couple more Ironman World Championships? Or how do you see your career playing out after the Paris Olympics? Uh, not sure, really. Like uh, uh, at the moment, it feels like it's fine to combine long course and short course. So maybe, maybe another LA comeback. Who knows? <laughs> how old will you be by then? 40? 34? 40? You said 40? 34. Are you kidding? I'm 29. <laughs> I just look old because all the training is making me looking tired, you know? But I'm uh, I'm still in my 20s, my best age. This is the thing with you. It's like I was thinking about this a couple of months ago and, and I went and looked into it. We've never had an athlete in triathlon, not close actually, who's achieved what you've achieved at the age you've achieved. Like Alistair did some good stuff early in the short course world, but never got there in the long course world. But no one at 27, right, where you were, Gustav is really the only person who you can compare, like Gustav and maybe Alistair if you, if you look at what he did in the short course. But it's crazy what you've done at your age. Like you've done what no one else has done until they were, you know, like Jan at like 38. Yeah. So uh, with that in mind, I feel... We are both having like a decade left on us. So that's also, uh, I think, is something that Gustav tried to keep in mind also, like the team that even though you're having a, a season where you're not really performing or struggling a little bit more, it's uh, we're in it for the longer run. And also understanding that we have to make it doable to be in it for the long run. i got three more things for you, then, then you can bounce. So the first thing was... Um, what I was going to ask earlier when I asked if, if Olav is there at training camp with you and then talked about the lactate and, and the turtles at Kona. Are you guys doing anything else? Is there any like um, new things that you guys are doing and, and innovations that you guys are bringing to your training and racing that we don't know about yet? Uh, yeah, it's always stuff happening in the background. Uh, but now we are spending like the year a lot on trying to get the equipment that we need for 
Paris next year. So like working with on to find the race issue that we can have for Paris next year. And also like with uh, giant now to have the best equipment on the course and the board and, and surplus. So we're like working with the partners now to get the equipment that we need next year. So, and also like in the training, we're always trying to uh, understand more of uh, uh, how much we could train and how we could balance the intensity better. And then on that, I was I was listening to something the other day and I realized I I just don't know the answer to this, but I want to know the story. And I'm not sure if you're willing to talk about it, but I, I was listening to, to someone say that you guys, like your camp, you, Gustav and Olav Alexander Boo, had had like a falling out with the Norwegian Triathlon Federation and, and didn't see eye to eye on some things and sort of you guys almost weren't really operating under them anymore. Can, can you talk about that? Yeah, so since the Olympics and the grand final two years ago, we, Gustav and Olav have been on the outside of the Federation and done everything privately. And uh, we didn't find any agreement on how we could come back again into the national team for the road going into Paris. So now we are still on the outside, sort of having our training group and facilitating everything ourselves and trying to get as good prepared as possible. And so has the only thing that's changed there is, is it, is it just funding? Like they don't give you funding now or has that led to other things changing? Uh, that's the main things. And we are sort of sorting out everything ourselves on the outside and then they are trying to prepare as good as they can with their team. So it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's working. Is Kasper Stoiners with you guys or is he with the Norwegian Federation? Because I know he sort of was always looked at as the third guy in your group, although the last couple of years he seems to not really, not be as involved. Which side did he fall on? Oh, so he's on the national team. So he's uh, training together with Vatla and Mikal and the national team. Has that been weird for you guys? Like, are you all still managing to be friends despite that? And it's sort of like you, you three having disagreements with the higher ups, but not really with like Mikael and Casper. I think it's uh, more feelings involved and just that uh, it's not the best environment at the moment. But we are sort of uh, staying focused on the outside and sort of trying to do everything we can to be as well prepared next year as we can. And my last question, which was was also my last question to you in the last podcast. Well, actually, it was my last question. Then we talked about Sam Laidlow um, and the caffeine incident, which was your fault again. Um, and <laughs> I'd be highly disappointed if you didn't do to another young athlete at the PTO US Open. Um, was Do you think that Colin Chartier's name will get mentioned much at the US Open as the defending champion? Or do you think people are just going to completely ignore that? Well, I think you've gone, I, I saw you posted up the post towards later, all in where all the talk should be about calling or nothing, but I think it could be something in between there. Like, uh, of course, you can't just ignore it that the last year winner was uh, probably on EPO when he won the race, but it does need to get all the attention either. So, uh, yeah, I feel like they can balance it out smoothly. We're yeah, both talking about it, but not giving all the attention 
Awesome, Christian. Thanks heaps for coming on, mate. Thanks for giving us your time as always. See you over in, in America and, and good luck with the rest of the build. Okay, thank you. Precision Fuel and Hydration are by far the best training and race day nutritional product that I've ever used. I, I think I've almost tried them all. And once I found Precision, I used it for a while and I was still trialing other products while I was using it and nothing compared for me. So I found myself like, as I was trying other stuff, always taking like a PF90 gel, which is my favorite gel from Precision along with me. Cause like, I'm like, oh, I'm probably not going to like that as much as that. So it's good to have it there. And seriously, like that, that PF90 gel and, and even the PF30 gels and the PF30 caffeine gels, they were just so much better than every other gel I tried. And they didn't make me sick or nauseous. They tasted great. They have great texture. Whereas that was a big thing. Almost every other gel I hate, like I hated either the texture, the taste, or they made me feel sick. Um, and, and so I don't, I just never wanted that. Like I always felt like that was how it was supposed to be. Like that was just a byproduct of using training or racing nutritional products. But yeah, then I found precision. I was like, Oh, this is, this is not, doing any of those things this is it tastes great it's the texture's great and it doesn't make me sick and so that's when I reached out to them because I'm like I I need to start telling people about this and I really hope they support the podcast and and they did um I think another thing I like about them that I haven't really talked about much is that they're easy to use so I was constantly getting like sticky fingers and my like jersey pockets were constantly getting sticky from gels um like leaking and and the the bit that you tear off not being that easy to use but you don't have that problem with like precision's pf90 um, gel it's like a twist top and it's so easy to use and stays clean and, and sticky free so i really like that about it um, they also have electrolyte tablets with different levels of electrolytes based on how much you sweat and and what you sweat so that's great for tailoring tailoring like your hydration plan as well there's just like so many things i was loving about precision fuel and hydration and yeah i, I like honestly um, I don't think I'll ever train or race without any other product, whether they were, were supporting the podcast or not, it wouldn't matter. I'm going to keep using them for as long as I'm training and racing, I think. So if you want to try them for yourself, which if you haven't and, and you do train and race and use other stuff, I think you should. And I think once you do, you'll thank me and agree with what I'm saying. Um, and, and when you do, make sure you use the discount code HTT23 for 15% off your order every single time you buy stuff from the Precision Fuel and Hydration website. 